Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has she been inspired by a calling, crafted her journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Deanna King, soul path astrologer, mentor, author, and change maker. Deanna is an astrologer and metaphysician who guides individuals as they navigate this 3D world and move into a more conscious and awakened path of living. She guides others on the path of self-healing to live in flow rather than in struggle. She teaches people how to manage their own energy body and to transform hidden energy blocks within themselves. She is also the author of DIY book called Bringing Ceremony Home. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Deanna. Thank you, Rhonda. It's great to be here. Well, it's just wonderful, and I'm so looking forward to speaking with you. Let the audience know a little bit about your background. A little bit about my background. It's so hard to fit it into a, a quick little excerpt. Well, most recently, I'm an astrologer and a metaphysician. I pretty much like to study and learn about anything that's alternative, and this has all kind of come by the way of that my life has been, I feel like I've lived like six lifetimes in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was continually being asked to transform. You know, when they talk about dark night of the soul, it's like, I kind of roll my eyes and I go, God, I think I do that about every two or three years, you know? So it's just been very interesting. And, you know, I've had some major hurdles, I guess, to overcome in my life. I was sexually abused as a young child, and I was raised in a very patriarchal religion. So of course, that really screwed with my psyche, because I thought God would never love me, I was never really going to be in alignment with God again. And probably started down a path of self criticism from that place uh, that did quite a number on me. But thankfully, my mom, who uh, divorced my dad when I was eight years old, gave us the choice, the children, the choice to get out of that religion, thank goodness. And um, of course, we we was raised by my mother, she was a forward thinker, she immediately started immersing herself in alternative practices. So it was normal for me to hear about science of mind and Um, juicing and all of these new things, channeled beings, um, Seth, Abraham, astrology, she was doing affirmations. Um, And it was all in this periphery, she didn't ever push it on us. So I remember kind of getting it through osmosis, but I didn't really use any of that on myself until I became a mother. And it seemed like once I became a mother, I sort of moved into this place where I realized 
that I could be an authority, that I could let that feminine strength come forward. Because in my whole life, I, you know, the religion I was in, they did not give any authority to women. And I was deeply wounded by that. I was mentioning to you earlier that I'm a Leo and Leos are leaders. And there was nothing in my upbringing that supported me to be my authentic self. And so I really had become quite depressed and very small in order to fit into my birth family and also into the the state that I was born, um, which was in Utah. And so anyway, when I began having children, this it was like this new me came out and I absolutely knew I was going to do home births. I absolutely understood. And it was uh, sort of like remembering to do herbs and homeopathy. And I was visualizing and I had no fear whatsoever about home birth. To me, it was a no brainer. The hospitals were far more traumatic for me. And I had wonderful, beautiful home births. I actually even experienced uh, my second child was a stillborn and we still did that birth at home. Uh, which made it extremely sacred. And uh, I got in touch with how, you know, our society has really sort of compartmentalized death. And I think for women, a lot of times, like we don't talk so much about stillbirths or abortions or miscarriages. So it's kind of this place of secretiveness. And for me, it was a very interesting and powerful experience because I kind of flowed through that. Um, I I just felt like I was really being held and supported and it was more impactful for the people around me. And I just was able to go into this place of observation about how painful people experience death or fear of death or fear of misunderstanding things. And yet for me, I was never afraid. I mean, I definitely was impacted, but it was kind of interesting to me because this particular pregnancy, I did not bond with the baby or the baby didn't bond with me, whatever that was, I absolutely Mm -hmm. connection wasn't there. And I was really curious the whole pregnancy about why. And then of course, when that happened, I was like, oh, of course, maybe this baby didn't really mean to be here. There was a soul contract of some sort. Um, And that's when I started learning about soul contracts. So you know, like I said, I'm always fascinated with um, the things that we don't usually talk about. And, and it wasn't until 1997, which was actually the pregnancy of my third child, that I began learning energy work. And my whole life, I had really been searching, I knew I had a purpose, I almost felt like a yearning, like an urgency that if I didn't find it, I'd miss the boat. Oh, yeah. So I was always kind of searching, like, what is this thing that I'm supposed to be doing or being or, or working with or whatever. Um, When I started learning energy work, it was a life changer for me, because I started working with my psychic space, really opening my sixth chakra. I was uh, participating in clearing my own energy, but also doing healings with other people, we were doing a lot of trades. And it was Fascinating because as soon as I opened my sixth chakra, I started having memories of not only repressed memories of my childhood, but memories of past lives and memories of early, early childhood where we know now that children don't necessarily like they're sort of in this ambivalent place until they're about five where their their brain is is uh, developing a little bit differently. So memories are different. But I remember, you know, being a two or three year old. 
and being in shock and wondering, how am I going to fit in this family? Like this family is so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Like I truly felt new in my heart of hearts that I came from a place of love. And this was not love where I was, was not okay. love. So anyway, opening up to these new memories was really pretty fascinating for me and affirmed a lot of who I thought I was. Um, And it just kind of sent me down this trajectory of curiosity to see what more there was. Once you open up the psychic space, it's pretty fun. It's like having your own little movie in your head and you can just be, you know, watching all kinds of energy and, and things unfolding that other people don't necessarily see or are aware of, or even you get to see how people are aware on some level, but they don't admit it. You know, you can kind of see body language change when people are aware of energy. Anyway, so since 1997, I've been practicing energy work. I've mostly healed myself. I was not interested in working with other people at all. I just knew that I was pretty broken and wanted to come to a more place of of self authentic place, I suppose, of knowing who I was and why I was here. And during this time, my husband at that time was an alcoholic. So I was also dealing with all of that drama, trauma. And the beautiful thing was I realized now spirit brought me this energy work to provide me with the tools to deal with this alcoholic relationship. So I was constantly using my affirmations, my energy clearings, I was um, grounding the home, I was doing, you know, all kinds of techniques possible and learning new ones, just in a sense to hopefully save the marriage, save this man, this soul that I loved. And none of it really worked. I mean, it, it helped me to last longer in the marriage, but I can't say that it helped to break him free of his addiction which is fine because I realize everybody has their own soul path and lessons. And it took me a long time to finally let go of trying to save him. And so I left that marriage in 2014 and I decided at that time to be, to use energy healing as my career. And I was very excited and I did a lot of teaching and Enjoyed it a lot. However, I met another man and I got kind of sucked into the whole relationship thing again. And I started to build a business with him, which ended up being wonderful, but exhausting. And I just didn't have the energy to do my own passion, my own energy work. So I kind of did it on the side a little tiny bit, but I didn't fully uh, use it as my sole career. And that was, again, another karmic relationship that was very intense, very passionate on again, off again. And by this time I was in my fifties. So I felt like I had a lot of energy for that kind of uh, a relationship, but I did believe in soul contracts. I did believe in, in um, at that time, I believed in twin flames kind of loosened up about that a little bit. And I absolutely now understand about karmic relationships. I started learning astrology in 2019 specifically because I had just broken up with him and and was taking a sabbatical and I needed to understand what was going on with my life. Like, why did I keep having these problems with men, starting with my dad, right? So once I began learning astrology, it, it was so clear. It was just like the book was laid out and told the story right there. 
And what that did for me was so freeing. It allowed me to stop criticizing myself, stop judging myself, to just say, Deanna, this is how it had to be. Your soul chose this. And and I could stop blaming, you know. It was such a relief to me to know that this was just what my being wanted to have as the blueprint to learn life lessons. And I did even have a memory of the the last man I was in relationship with, a memory of a past life with him, which explained a lot to me. And uh, we were kind of doing the same thing over again in order to clear that energy, to finish it, so to speak. And we finally did. We finally cleared it. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful. So now at this tender age of 58, <laughs> I'm single. And I'm really focusing on doing my own passion, which is energy work. It's uh, self-empowerment for women specifically. And a lot of it is through tools of doing your own energy work. I like to teach people. I don't want anybody to rely on me. I like to teach people to learn how to heal themselves so that they can do it on their own and not have to spend a lot of money, not have to find the person they trust. So all of those things that, that stop us usually. And I also wrote a book because once I began understanding my astrology, it was like, oh, okay, my soul wants me to really go here. It wants me to be in communication. It wants me to be a teacher. It wants me to be a writer. So and I've never, you know, I write a lot. I journal every single day and I read a lot, but I've never written anything that was published. And so I took a course and uh, they promised a book would be published in three months with the course. And, and I did it. So thankfully, I ended up hiring a professional to get me to create the cover and the interior because there's so much that goes on in writing a book. It's not just writing the text. There's there's layers upon layers upon layers of getting that book to the the public. Um, and I knew that if I didn't hire a professional, I'd never get it out there. So I did do that and I'm grateful. And it was just published this June of this year, 2023, and it's called Bringing Ceremony Home. And it is basically a how-to book on how to use sacred ceremony as a means to change your life. And I did this for about eight years. I had a, a sacred circle on the property that I lived on and communicated with the spirits. I brought in the four elements. I learned how to invoke and create pretty powerful prayers. Um, and I specifically found too that they work very well with the astrological lunar events, you know, the new moon and the full moon and, and or if there's an aspect happening in the sky, if you're familiar with, with your own astrology chart and it's touching on your sun, you might want to use that trajectory, do a ceremony to bring in more uh, power to your sun so people will see you. There's just kind of some, some interesting ways we can use our intention. Ceremony is a very hyperpotent intention and uh, use it to our advantage to really give momentum to some of our desires. So I guess in a nutshell, that's, that's a little bit about me. Mm -hmm. And so you talked early on about soul contract or soul's contract. And for the listeners that might just be hearing this for the first time, can you elaborate on 
what that really means to a person who's sitting at home and they're, they're going through something and they don't understand it, the why me and all of that. Can you just explain that a little bit more to help people realize the significance of that? Yeah. So my understanding with soul contracts is oftentimes two souls out in the ethers before they embody will decide, you know, hey, I want to have this experience down there because it'll be a great test for me. And and I haven't done this yet. And I want to learn from it. So the other soul will say, yeah, I'll do that with you. And I'll be the bad guy, you know, or I'll be the good guy, however that turns out. So let's say, for example, the story about my father, that was a soul contract where he agreed to be the perpetrator so that I could experience something horrific, but have to grow from it and have to learn and heal myself. And eventually learn to forgive not only him, but all the patriarchy that has abused women through lifetimes. So it's really incited that place in me of growth. And so that's one soul contract. Then I mentioned that my child who passed was a soul contract. And oftentimes, you know, when when a mom and a baby or even a, a father and a baby, families have soul contracts. So we oftentimes choose a family in particular to, again, stimulate our lessons and our growth. Now, the family can sometimes be good and helpful and supportive, or they can be, you know, not so good. And oftentimes I hear people say, you know, I I have had to discard my birth family, and now I have family that's friends, you know, they're my new family. But part of what that is, is us learning how to go through those dark nights of the soul, so to speak, or those dark places where we feel completely abandoned, completely misunderstood, completely um, unloved. And then through the end of it, hopefully you find the self-love, the self-worth, and perhaps even the connection to source, which is our true connection, right? Our families are just sort of a surrogate that we have here on earth. And I believe that with that child passing for me was I just had a soul contract to be the vehicle for that soul to come in. And it wasn't ever going to have a whole life here. It came in and it impacted all the people around me. I say that because I didn't feel it emotionally like most women do. There was something very strange about it for me. Um, It was cataclysmic because not very many women experience a home birth that is a stillbirth. And that particular child had died 10 days before I delivered it. So there was this 10 day waiting period of, you know, what does this mean? (laughs) How do I be alive and have it? I'm embodying death inside of me. It was this very strange place of acceptance, I guess, is what it was. And, uh, and it was hugely challenging for my husband. So I really feel like the contract was for his, his benefit. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm talking about in soul contracts. We have soul contracts with our significant others and our friends. And have you ever met somebody very quickly out of the blue and you just know who they are and either they stay in your life or they don't, but you, there was this deep connection. You just knew immediately this person too well, like it was too odd that you knew them so well, something clicked. That's a soul recognition. That's probably someone you've been together with in many lifetimes, Ah. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully that answers your question. Yes, it certainly does. And so you also talked about energy 
And, you know, I know there's people that they don't understand energy. They don't realize that how far outreaching our energy is. And so can you talk a little bit more about that? Because people may not understand the goodness of the energy, the badness of an energy or whatever. And so I think that description might help. Yeah, I'll try. And and I will say that I think that humans are going to continue to understand more and more about energy. I can only yes. tell you what I understand so far, but everything that we perceive is energy. Um, energy is just vibrating at different speeds and density. So, you know, that's why the chair or the desk feels more solid than the air but it's all made out of the same. And I call it God source light. It's just God particles. And, and I use the word God lightly. Maybe it's just a uh, creation love, you know, it, it's, it's the eternal consciousness, if you will, that maybe has imagined everything. <laughs> and to me, energy it's a gray term. It can be used to describe a lot of things, especially now it's kind of becoming a buzzword and uh, I find that really fascinating. I'm, I'm glad that it's become a buzzword. So to me, energy can be your emotions. You know, if you walk into a room, you can tell if someone's angry because their energy is very prickly. Not even if you're reading their body language, but, you know, there's just a uh, about it. You, you can tell it. if someone you can tell if someone is dark, you know, if they feel really thick and sticky and ugh. Uh, you've probably heard of the term energy vampire, mm-hmm. someone who just is sucking you dry. They they don't get enough from you. So energy is fluid. And I think that part of what we don't understand fully is how powerful we are. And if we can put our focus and intention and attention on our own energy field, then we actually can control what's coming in and what's going out. But it's this level of unconsciousness that we have habitually been using because most of us haven't received the training or the role models to bring that into our awareness. But when you put your attention on maybe the bubble that is around you and you try to give it a definition, I oftentimes do things with, I call it my aura, right? That's your, your energy right around your field is your, your aura. Uh, Many people probably heard about the aura. I will specifically put mirrors on the outside of my aura. If I want to keep people out, you know, so you can get really creative with energy. The mirrors would just be an energy that I create, right? Or if you want to let someone in, you pull your aura in really close to your body so that they can get closer to you. Now, some people are empathic and being an empath, which basically just means that you are sensitive to energy, you feel it a lot, but it's very confusing because if no one ever taught you what that was or that you were empathic, you just kind of feel lost and overwhelmed because you're feeling your stuff and everybody else's stuff and the collective stuff. And you think it's yours and it's crazy making, but you can learn tools. I call it tools. Maybe they're exercises to clear your own energy. So if you go out to the grocery store, you're basically sponging off everybody there picking up their energy everywhere they've been, every person they've been in contact with. 
And so you might feel a little bit altered when you get home, right? <laughs> and it's really easy to just kind of clear yourself. You can use tools like sage to burn and smudge around you, or you can just, uh, I do kind of an imagination practice where I cleanse my whole aura and my whole body. And these are techniques that I also teach to people especially to people who are empathic because they need to be able to know the difference between their own energy and someone else's. And it's a game changer when you actually just feel yourself. Mm -hmm. It's very clarifying and you can go, Oh, I actually am really happy. And it's that person that's not happy. It's not me. You know what I mean? So it's a game changer when you can really own that um, sovereignty of your own space. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're going to like a big concert or something where there's a ton of people around. So energy, again, I just think energy is everywhere. It's everything. And it's really about putting your focus on um, what are you doing with your thoughts? Because your thoughts are energy as well. Your emotions are energy. I'm, right now I'm looking at my plants. I have a lot of beautiful plants and I love my plants. And I think they can tell that I love them because my love is a thought and, and a feeling from my heart. And they, they're just vibrating, you know, they're just in vitality, shining their light back at me saying, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like an energy exchange between me and the plant. Yeah, well, and you know, they've done studies on that. Dr. Dean Radin with Ions Institute, he's the uh, few scientists there. And they've done studies on uh, raising plants. So in one room, they have plants, they just start them out as seedlings, and they have the same in the other room. So what they do is they bless the water before they pour it on the one section of plants. And then they don't bless the water when they pour it on the other section of plants. And, and then they study it. And plants that were watered with blessed water grew significantly quicker. And mm -hmm. uh, so you're absolutely right. Everything, our children grow better when we are blessing them and loving them and providing them with opportunities. And everything around us, our animals, our friendships, everything is affected by our energy, right? And really good friends will know when they see you that, you know, something's wrong. They you don't even have to open their mouth, your mouth is they go, okay, girlfriend, what's going on, right? Um, <laughs> because you know each other so well. And, you know, and I love that I love when you have girlfriends that you're so close with that they know you so well, that you get to share, you know, intimacy about yourself, right? Something that you talked about, again, was sacred ceremony. And I've heard about this before, because I interviewed Clay Lamakayu, who is in Sedona, and he has a medicine circle. And so you talk about a sacred circle. So can you let our audience know about that? Yeah, so what he had was probably a medicine wheel. That's yes. what it's called, the medicine wheel. And the term medicine wheel comes from uh, the indigenous tribes. And I don't, I purposefully don't use that term because mm -hmm. I, I'm not indigenous. I don't want to come off as saying that I'm using their practices because I've never been trained specifically by any native people, but the, the medicine wheel itself 
is a model. It's just a circle that has, uh, it's been divided into four quadrants. There's sometimes an inner circle. And the circle has been used for eons. The Celtics use sacred circles. Um, the Greeks, I mean, all the ancient cultures have used circles in their sacred practices and rituals. And I was blessed for the last eight years that I did live at a property that had a medicine wheel. We called it a medicine wheel because we modeled it after a um, Native American medicine wheel, but we didn't follow all the specific rules. Different tribes have different animal totems on different directions. There's north, south, east, west. There's different spirit entities that are involved with each of the directions. And, and that, that changes per the indigenous culture. And so we decided to create that particular medicine wheel to work for us. So we just, you know, used our own intuition, what animal goes with this direction, what stone might go with this direction. Mm -hmm. So, so we created it to work for us and what we were doing at the time. And I think that that's really the most important thing is that you give yourself permission as a powerful creator to have that authority to know how, what's the best way for me to create this. And the circle is just the starting point. It's the foundation. It's the container for I'm setting up this sacred space. And for me, it's a physical circle. Sometimes I outline it with stones. Sometimes it's with um, cloth. Sometimes it's with a rope. You know, you can, you can get kind of creative. It could even be pine bows or tree branches, you know, to just outline the circle. And it's really about your intention that the circle is sacred to you on the inside and, and the world stays on the outside. And so it's a place that I generally use to invoke spirit. And invoke is just another term for pray or call upon spirit to come and be with me. And calling upon spirit too is very creative. You know, you can call on Kuan Yin, you can call on Buddha, you can call on Archangel Michael, or you can call on the spirits of the East. So it really depends on what your affinity is with um, and what deity or energy and or spirit energy you might be called to be using because they all have different qualities that they can assist us with. And for me in my book, where I teach about the sacred circle, I'm using the four directions, north, south, east, west, and calling in some qualities from each of those directions. For example, the east is the energy of, of spring. It's the energy of the new day it's new beginnings. So it would also be symbolic of being a child. So it's that new, uh, fresh, young time frame in our lives. Whereas the North would be when we're elderly and the North is the winter when we're resting and we're quiet and it's dark. And, and also, so there's fire, water, air, and earth. Mm -hmm. Those are four other elements that are used in the sacred circle. So you're calling in again. So like air is mental energy. Earth is our body. It's the physical and the, the, the earth that we live on. The water is both our emotions and the water on the planet, as well as the rain and the ocean. And the fire, of course, is our willpower. And it's our it's that strong force that grows things in the garden. That's the fire energy. It's the sun. You know, it's 
So there's an affinity with each of those. They kind of match a little bit, kind of like how um, astrology signs and planets kind of go together. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so deep, all of this, you know, of what we're talking about today. And we're only just touching the surface on all of these things. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Symatrex. And today we have the great pleasure to be listening to Deanna King, and she's going to let you know how you may reach out to her. Oh, thank you, Rhonda. So I have an interesting website address. When I went to get a website, I found out that you don't have to do .com anymore. You can do whatever you want. So I named my website 5dpath.fun. So that's found at www.5d, as in dimension, path.fun. And I have a Facebook account. It's Deanna King 5D Path Fun. You can find me on Instagram at 5dpath.fun. I have a YouTube channel, which is at 5dpathfun. And yeah, and then if you go to my website, I've got a blog and all my, my services. And there's a little thing about my book as well. And my book's available on Amazon right now, Bringing Ceremony Home. Bringing Ceremony Home. Yes. And it's actually on the e-version, the the Kindle version is only 99 cents right now. I'm running a promo and I've dropped the soft cover price to $9.99 for the, through the holidays. And I will just say that this book was designed with beautiful colors and amazing photography and and colors. So the the Kindle version is just black and white. So I'm just saying you're going to get a big punch for your dollar if you buy the printed version. Yes, beautiful. Now, something else that you talk like, and it's actually in what you've branded is 5D. And so people are thinking 5D dimension. So are you talking about the fifth dimension? And if you're talking about the fifth dimension, can you give us a little bit of an idea what that is? Yes. And you're very right, Rhonda. So 5D it for me is the fifth dimension, just like we call it 3D, which stands for third dimension. Um, so difference between the two, and I've had this question before, is that the third dimension is This denser reality that we've been living in for thousands of years, where there's contrast, a lot of contrast, we have good, evil, light, dark, dry, wet, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of contrast. And the third dimensional feelings or words are struggle, hatred, pain, poverty, the ones that don't feel good, the lower vibration, that's 3D. So the fifth dimensional energies in our body and in our experience are abundance, love, ease, flow, generosity, kindness. And you can feel the difference between those those energies. And I'm, I'm using that word energy, but you can feel the difference. So one fifth dimensional energy comes from the heart. And I I don't really know how to say where the third dimensional energies come from. But if we try to focus on expressing from our heart or feeling from our heart or even perceiving life from our heart, that's a fifth dimensional vibration. 
Mm. So say, for example, just before I came on the podcast with you, we were talking and I said, well, I can either choose to be afraid, which is third dimension, or I can choose to be excited, which is a fifth dimension. So for me, 5D path just means I'm really trying to consciously stay in that fifth dimensional vibration. Mm -hmm. And as conscious creators and powerful creators, our thoughts and our feelings create our reality. And that's something that sometimes is kind of hard to grasp because it's hard to say, well, why would I ever create this in my life? And it's not that you're consciously creating it, you're unconsciously creating it. But now is the time, now is the time we're being called to put your attention on everything. What is the inner chatter that you have in your head? Are you telling yourself that you should have done it differently? You should have been better. What were you thinking? Why'd you forget that? Are you saying, it's okay, I'll get this next time. Oh, I'm doing the best I can. Oh, Deanna, it's all right. You know, are you your best mother? Or are you your most critical mother? What are you to yourself? So I'm just really trying to be conscious and try to be in my heart space as much as I can. And being in a heart space does not mean you're all la la land and everything's happy and good. It, it, there is a reality to it, but it also means that if, if I'm somewhere and someone lashes out at me, I don't have to um, let that come in and be something I'm responsible for. I can just say, oh, that's your problem. I'm really, really sorry you're hurting, but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So that I'm okay. And I'm grateful that I'm okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. What extraordinary discovery have you found in your life? Oh, I think that we're really much larger than we give ourselves credit for. And um, so much more powerful than we also give ourselves credit for. I'm ah. super excited that we are that we are changing, we are awakening. And I use that term lightly because I don't want to turn anyone off. I feel like the veil is being lifted. The veil of amnesia and forgetfulness and pain and struggle is being lifted. And we have, we're at this crux of being able to choose. And you can choose that you might actually be powerful. And it's just a matter of pulling off the layers of the part of you that doesn't believe that's true, but the real you is underneath and the real you is bright and big and grand and here for a reason. Um, Some of us know why we're here, some don't, but if you aren't interested in peeling off the layers, you'll never know who you really are and what your capacities really are. Well, yes. And there are some people who are going through a whole shift in human consciousness right now, but there are some people who are living the same script day in, day out, and they may not realize that they do have a choice to reside in their heart. So it's really good teachings that you're giving here today, Deanna, to gently ask people to do these gentle things, not these huge things, but these gentle things. And one of the game changers is really when you reside in your heart. And if you want an idea of what that would feel like, if you've ever witnessed and and looked at a newborn baby and just feel the beauty in your body, witnessing that baby, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could live and operate in this world that way, 
that genuine tenderness, lovingness, and softness that you witness in a newborn baby. I, I think our world would be so, so different. Can you let us know if you feel that you have been called to your journey, crafted your journey, or a bit of both? I've definitely been called to it. I can't say that it's ever been really clear what it is, but I, like I mentioned before, I just have this yearning. I'm search. I, I feel yeah. something pulling me in a direction. And what I've learned as my barometer is when I'm in this place of total bliss, then that must be alignment with what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, yes. And I found this total bliss when I'm working with my clients, mm -hmm. when I'm assisting them to expand themselves, heal themselves, change themselves. For me, it, it incites this flow of just joy in my being. And that's my answer right there, that that is the right path. And there are other times when I'm doing work that's just sort of okay. And so to me, that's the answer I need is like, can I write, can I put myself back in the path of the flow of the fun thing? To me, fun is a good word to use for that, but it's not always possible there. And, you know, doing some of the behind the scenes work in business, it, it for me is, is not as joyful, but I do know how to sit down and get into my heart space and know that spirit's helping me. And that feels like bliss. And I know how to say thank you for the opportunities like being on this podcast. And that puts me in bliss. So it's just a matter of redirecting yourself when you find you, you're getting into the blah place or even the negative place to stop for a moment and notice where you are and then just pivot and redirect and go, well, I have, you know, what I do is I think about irises and lilacs because I absolutely love the smell of them. Yes. And so that visualization in my head, I instantly smell them. And that sort of pivots me into that place, like with the, the beautiful young baby, right? It's, it pivots me into a different place of joy. Mm -hmm. um, so I do feel that I'm being called. I also feel, well, actually from studying astrology, I, I almost get intimidated sometimes because I see a potential in my chart and I'm like, I can't pull that off. You know, that's not who I am. What are they, what was I thinking? You know, and, uh, but I'm not done yet. Right. I'm still yeah. mature. So <laughs> you're only 58, you told us. I'm only 58, yeah, so. <laughs> You've got lots of time. Yeah. And I'm really, really blossoming. And, and also that's in my astrology chart, too, is I was totally going to be a late bloomer. There was no chance in, in heck for me to ever be uh, successful at age 30. That just wasn't written in my astrology chart. Mm -hmm. So, Well, it's the evolution of the soul and age does that. And with age, uh, there's teachings. And I love that you're talking about being pulled, but you don't know where you're being pulled to. And, you know, it's really hard to see on the other side of growth when you're in growth, because growth can be challenging. And I go through growth and often, and still I fall for it. I fall for it that 
this is going to be for the rest of my life. And I can't see on the other side of it, even though when I'm on the other side, I'm like, well, no wonder, you know, I was going through some struggles there. But you know, I think that journaling is one of the most effective ways to witness your growth. When you journal, you learn so much about yourself, don't you find? I do. I do. And I um, have to say that I have so many journals now. Yes. Uh, and I actually have several notebooks around my living room there. <laughs> I don't just have one, but I have gone back. I don't do it very often because it takes time, but I have gone back and read things and said, oh my God, I manifested that, you know, and, or that already happened, you know, and you forget, yes. you forget about it. But it is good to give yourself credit for where you've come to. It's really, really important. In fact, every year on my birthday, I write down what have I actually done and achieved and not physical things necessarily, but what have I accomplished in emotional growth in in spiritual growth this last year? And it's astounding how much we grow in a year. And it's really good for me in my worthiness to affirm my own growth and go, gosh, you know, girl, you have done a lot this year. Like, you know, get rid of that critic that tells you you're not doing enough because you've done a lot. So, well, yes, the roommate in your head will keep you from a lot of things, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, you know, the more we evolve, the more we meditate, the more we journal, the more we step into the true essence of ourselves and, and the noise falls away. You know, the noise that we've lived with uh, falls away. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's just been such a delight to sit in your company and learn from you and uh, from all the teachings that you have. So thank you very much. Thank you, Rhonda. I appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rondagrantauthor.com. That's rondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.